Hey everyone, welcome back to the Potter's House, the podcast where we discuss how biblical topics, church life, and current events impact our everyday lives. My name is Marcus Ionescu, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. And correct me if I'm not pronouncing it correctly, but is it a Slavic Morado? Is that correct? Yes, you actually got it right. Perfect, perfect. Uh, I was actually going to ask you right before we started recording, and I was like, as I was saying my intro, I'm like, man, I didn't ask, I'm just going to wing it. Uh, But Slavic, thank you for being here. Uh, How's it going today? It's going really good, man, and I want to take a moment and thank you so much for having me on. I am very passionate about the subject that we're about to talk about, and that is the church, the local church, and I'm really thankful for the work that you do. I think, I hope, in that we need... I hope that we see a lot more people doing this, and I think this is extremely needed to to have a conversation of what it's like to follow Christ and and to really think about this. So thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely, it's it's my honor to have you on. Uh, you're all, you, we'll get into it, but you're also a podcaster. You're a, a pastor up in Washington, so we're going to talk about that. And I think uh, this conversation we're going to have is not only going to be beneficial for for us here, but for for the listeners out there to truly understand what a biblical church looks like. But before we get into the episode, I do want to make a couple of announcements. Um, You can follow us on our Instagram for any and all updates at The Potter's House. Um, We are available on Spotify, iTunes, other platforms as well. But if you do have an iPhone, please go to that purple podcast app, the Apple podcast app. Scroll down, tap the stars. Uh, the rating really helps the exposure of the show, and it'll really help uh, if you guys did that. So thank you guys so much for those who have already done it. If you haven't, please do so. Uh, you can also live, uh, sorry, you can also write a written review, and I will read those. And uh, for the first time in a couple of weeks, I got a new one that I'm going to read out. Uh, so the subject line says for this written review, it says, worth the time. And it says, I know Mark personally. So that's how he starts off, even though my name is Marcus, but you probably just gave me a nickname. Uh, <laughs> I know Mark personally as a friend and find him to be very to be a very smart individual. Thank you. He asked the right questions, some of which you've probably never vocalized. The podcasts are on the longer side, but that does not mean it's drudgery. It's well thought out and is honestly worth the time. Coming from a Romanian background, Mark, there you go, Mark again, talks about things within the culture that aren't very clear and properly addresses it in how it should be viewed. In other words, he knows his audience. Awesome podcast, awesome person, I highly recommend. Uh, and then it signs off as Buksha. So thank you, Eddie, for that. I really appreciate that. Um, but I guess you, you can keep calling me Mark, whatever you want, man. I uh, just appreciate the review. So thank you for that. If you haven't written one yet and you <laughs> want to, and you want it to be written or you want it to be read out loud on this podcast, please do so, and uh, I will do that. So um that's it for the announcements, and with that being said, we're going to jump right into the episode. But before we get to the content and the teaching part, uh, Slavic, uh, you know, we just connected, I think, yeah. eight days ago uh, through Benji. <laughs> I was going through your Instagram, and I saw, um, you know, I saw you were following the the, the podcast, and uh, I clicked on yours, and I saw like you had a podcast, you were a pastor of this church, and then I asked Benji, I'm like, you know, how, how Slavic is he, is he a good, uh, would he be a good candidate for the podcast? And then without even like answering yes, he just created a group chat with us and, and <laughs> basically recommended. I'm like, okay, sweet. We yeah. talked uh, yesterday. You're like, how, how about we record tomorrow? So I think this was like the fastest I've ever set up an episode. So it's it's awesome. Uh, but Slavic for not only for the listeners out there, but for me as well, since we just got connected, yeah. Uh, yeah. why don't you introduce yourself for the people that don't know you too well? 
Yeah, well, thank you so much. And by the way, Benny is an amazing guy. I am oh, so yeah. thankful and I am so excited to see young people like him rising up and to see what he's doing, the church in the barn and all of that. Like, it's just, it's a, it's amazing. So I'm excited for what God is going to do through him. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you mentioned, I am a pastor out of Seattle. Um, I, we actually have, uh, I pastor in a city called Bellevue, which is pretty close to Seattle, but most people don't know it. So I just say Seattle. Um, in Bellevue, uh, I am part of a church called City on a Hill, and this is a church that is um, kind of on the bigger side, and we have different locations. And I started at City on the Hill pretty much when we just got the name of it. Uh, so I'm as kind of old OG as it gets, I guess, with <laughs> City on the Hill. But the nice thing about uh, the, the the church is that um, what I love about what we did is uh, we kind of, you know, we came here, a lot of us, some of us Moldovians, some of us Russians, and now for the last few years, we've been reaching out to our neighbors, and it's been an, an amazing journey to see so many different people with different nationalities, and that come together on Sunday morning with one goal in mind, and that is to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus. So um, it's been a journey for the last, I would say, um, uh, 11 years. I worked a lot in youth ministry, and recently I've been um, kind of doing both, where I'm a young adults pastor and also an associate pastor. Um, so that's a little bit about me. I came to Christ, where rather Jesus found me at 16 years old, even though I grew up in a Christian family. Uh, my dad was a preacher, but I don't think I truly knew the Lord until I was about 16 years old. And then after that happened, uh, a friend of mine actually started a prayer. And then every Friday night, we would get together, we would pray, and we had so much result or so much fruit that came out of that when we saw a whole bunch of leaders rising up and they themselves became pastors and leaders. So um, right off the bat, I realized that I think the Lord is coming, uh, is calling me into to ministry. And uh, the podcast that you mentioned actually started uh, some three or four years ago as just me uploading the sermons. And it was a way of me to kind of keep track of what I'm preaching. And from time to time, I'll go back and make sure that, you know, the things that I've preached when I was, you know, four years ago is still relevant and it's still biblical. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, so now it kind of is more than that. Now I'm also doing interviews and so on. So again, so thankful that you had me on, but that's just a little bit about myself. Yeah, yeah, this is the first time that I have a fellow podcaster on, so that, that's fun. <laughs> and uh, probably, I think, the fourth or fifth time I have a, a minister on, so that'll, that'll be yeah. pretty cool, too. So, that's awesome. Um, so the topic that we're talking about is yeah. based off a recent interview you did a couple of months ago with, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I guess he, he was your he's your mentor, right? His name is yeah. Chip, 71 yeah. years old. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, he actually was a lawyer his whole life, but he was very involved in church. So his primary job was as a lawyer. Um, but he recently started attending our church. And uh, what I love about him is that he is one of those people that just tells you like it is. He doesn't mm-hmm. sugarcoat things. He is not about to flatter you. He'll call you out specifically the moment you step out of line or... Um, but he does in a very kind and gentle way. And, um, you know, a lot of times uh, I would just spend maybe an hour or so at his house, you know, having breakfast. And we started to talk about a lot of the abuses that we see in the church. A lot of the things that are happening in the church 
mm-hmm. and uh, start questioning, okay, what's the biblical basis? Are we doing what Christ has called us to do, or is the church becoming a, a different kind of entity? Is it is it becoming a political tool, or a financial gain tool, or the church was meant to you know serve as the body of Christ and for God to move through the body, to, to preach the gospel, to reach out to the needy. Um, you know, there's so many purposes that Christ has intended for the church, but a lot of those th- purposes have been hijacked. Um, and our podcast that we did was about an hour long, and we just talked about some of the abuses that we've seen in church, and I think some of the things that we'd like to see change, uh, especially with him. He's been in ministry for about 43 years and he's seen a lot of different kind of abuses and uh, so yeah um, that's kind of the gist of that episode yeah and uh, you guys talked about mm-hmm. five types of churches that mm-hmm. we kind of need to watch out for and yeah. uh, it, it, all of these different types you know i had recognized before but sometimes mm-hmm. if i'm if i'm looking back sometimes i tend to blend some of these together Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. some of these different types because it's hard it's kind of maybe hard to d- differentiate because some churches right, right. have more than one of these oh, yeah, five different absolutely. characteristics uh, yeah. but today we're going to talk about five different uh, types of churches that we need to make sure that it, they're biblical that we don't mm-hmm. fall into this mm-hmm. trap and then we're going to talk about what pillars are necessary for a true biblical church. So we're gonna yeah. we're gonna set that up. We're gonna compare it. We're gonna make sure that we're on the right track. Uh, but Slavic, I'm gonna give it to you to start off yeah. with the first type of church that we need to watch out for. Yeah. So I think a lot of times when you grow up in a very kind of conservative background with a very very uh, conservative background, there's a tendency to try to kind of run away from that, right? Mm-hmm. And to try to look at the way you were brought up as too legalistic or too traditional. I've seen this in the Moldovian church and the Russian church. I started seeing that a little bit in the Romanian church now since I know Benny, right? Um, so there's a tendency for us to look at that and say, well, our forefathers did it wrong. Let's do it better, right? And so we run at times all the way to the opposite end and we start to declare things like, well, I am free to do whatever I want to do in Christ, you know? And which is which to a certain extent, that is true. We are free to do, you know, you know, we are free in, in Christ, you know. But when that becomes no longer, hey, I'm pursuing Jesus, but that becomes I'm pursuing the things that Jesus offers. Like, for example, I, you know, I see this so many times misused where people think that, you know, I have to come to Jesus because I want Jesus to make my life more important. You will see celebrities get up there and there and say things like, you know, I just want to thank God, you know, and I want to do great things for God. So we almost have this complex of, hey, I want Jesus to be attached to my life so I can do better things, bigger things, you know. So the emphasis is not on glorifying Jesus. It's on attaching Jesus to your life and treating Jesus as a vending machine uh, treating Jesus as what you can get out of him rather than coming to Christ and saying, I'm dying to my agenda and I'm embracing God's agenda, right? So the first church that I want to talk about is the prosperity-driven gospel church, right? Like where a lot of times we see, like we are told in First Timothy 6.5, that there are certain leaders that look at the church or godliness in the church as a means of gain. 
So be it a gain when it comes financially, uh, gain when it comes to popularity. We see this a lot in the kind of like influencer kind of um, marketing, right? Where people want to like develop their own social media profiles. So they use Jesus as, you know, a means to a certain gain or be it they want to be in charge. And, and I'm sorry to say this, but it seems like a lot of times in the church, when it comes to these very well-known and very public positions, like the position of a pastor, the position of a leader in the church, the unfortunate thing is, is that these positions at times attract people that have the wrong motives. You know, people that just want to be in charge. They want not to serve others, but others to serve themselves. They look at the church as some kind of, you know, organization that they can be a CEO of, right? So they look at the church as something to gain. Um, so I think that is something that we really have to watch out for. And I started to see this more and more, especially when we kind of departed from the old traditional way of doing church into kind of like the new way of doing church of, you know, mega church format with big stages, big cameras, big screens, you know, like um, big salaries, you know, and and I think that is a danger that we have to watch out for. Yeah, and we, we know a lot of these, like you said, the, the mega churches. And mm-hmm. when, when I was thinking of prosperity gospel, the prosperity led mm-hmm. churches, the first thing that comes to mind is that they're preaching prosperity. They drop, like you said, mm-hmm. you, they draw people in through the prosperity message that they preach. Uh, mm-hmm. They use um, like Philippians four thirteen, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Yeah, yeah those yeah. two verses a lot. You know, <laughs> I have plans for you to prosper. I can do all things through Christ yeah. who strengthens me. All these different things, but like, like you said earlier, it's 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 also on the other side as well. They do it for. Um, their gain through popularity through and sometimes they don't notice this but uh, i mean the church is a non-profit organization yeah and they're they're running it like a company which i mean there's a fine line and you got to be careful but we, we see that a lot and um you know we as uh eastern european of, mm-hmm. of eastern european descent where we where our parents migrated or we migrated here you know we, yeah. we don't have those big mega churches but we do follow these people we do have these celebrities who rose up mm-hmm. from these churches. We, we've seen even recently, um, and I'm not trying to like pinpoint a certain mega church, but we've, right, there right. are a lot of articles being released about Hillsong right now about how their, um, the, their leadership treated the, their subordinates uh, very poorly. And mm-hmm. we're seeing kind of the, those events fall out. So um, it's interesting to see from this perspective how it's not only what they preach, but what they expect to receive back. They, they receive, mm-hmm. they want more money, yeah. they want the status, they want self-glorification through self-righteousness through whatever it may be but th- that that's an observation that that i made when you were kind of bringing this up yeah there's a thing that i think it's happening a lot of people don't notice is there's this artificial division between uh what we would call clergy like people mm-hmm. who minister and the laity which is laity, people yeah. kind of you know serve within the church and it seems like the laity is not as important as the clergy you know and it's like but that's not how Christ has set up the church. The, you know, yes, there are deacons and, you know, Apostle Paul talks about how those who preach and teach are worthy of double honor. Like there should be a certain level of honor for our pastors. But at the same time, we have to realize that the, the guy who does sound or the guy who, who or the, the lady who bakes the cookies or the person who says hi at the door, we got to treat everyone with with honor and respect because that is also 
part, that person is part of the body of Christ. And unfortunately, what's happening a lot of time, specifically in massive churches, is you have this culture of celebrity pastors. I actually saw a meme that said that, dear pastors, if you want to be a celebrity, don't become a pastor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, no, the, the whole idea was not for you to use the church to become a celebrity. The whole idea is, is for you, if you consider yourself the greatest, to serve the whole church. Jesus took the structure, like how we understand the structure of a of an organization. You have kind of like the CEO on top, and then you have the general managers, then managers, and then you have the kind of like the 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 regular workers, right? Jesus flipped flipped that upside down, and he said, "Okay, the greatest of you will serve, you know, the rest of you." So, if Jesus, being the Son of God, if Jesus, who is God Himself, did not counted beneath him to wash the disciples feet how much more if you're a pastor or you're a leader you should be serving those who are quote unquote below you and and, and the, the problem that i see a lot of times with prosperity gospel churches is that it's almost set up like a pyramid scheme where it's like okay the guy at the top everything flows to him like you'll have some of these pastors that will get, you know, thirty, forty thousand dollars for a speaker honorarium, and then they, we will not buy sometimes a gift card for the guy who does sound, mm-hmm. you know. And it's to me, I'm like, how, how is it that we are spending massive amounts of money on the person who's at the top, but we don't, you know? Now, of course, like my personal opinion, I try to completely remove my finances so i don't get paid by the church so those two things like you know i that's just my personal kind of stances i don't want my finances to come from the church so i have a regular job and so on however i think that where in the church we write the checks says what who's important to us what's important to us right so when you have this speaker that's so you know a massive speaker right and 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 he's about to show up and everyone's so excited about but then you have people that have been working in our church for literally years and nobody even like gives them a gift card or even you know asks them in the hallway hey how how are you doing right um one thing that happened in city on the hill that i'm thinking about making a video because i don't even know where to start is i don't know if you watch the news about ravi zacharias lately yeah mm-hmm. we had him at city on the hill in 2014 so I met him personally. Um, I drove him around. I quoted him in my sermons. I, you know, and, and now it's like to see what came out. I mean, this guy was an abuser, you know, and, and you know, like I know a lot of people might have a problem with me even saying that, but I think we need to call a spade a spade, right? Like we need to really, if we're going to see God move in the church, we, you know, the Bible makes it very clear the judgment starts in the house of God, right? So I remember in 2014, I mean, we paid a, a lot of money for Rav Zacharias to be at our church and then to see what's been coming out in the last few months. Like, I've been so conflictly lately, and I'm like, was that the right decision to do? You know, the church was never meant to function on these very, very big names, celebrities, yet ignoring the people at the bottom you know people who are serving us every single day one thing that happened about the same time i remember i was driving my senior pastor back and forth um and i remember 
between services, uh, there would be a meal because our pastor could not have enough time to go to, to get a meal. So like there would be a meal in the in the room for him. And one time he invited me to, to sit down with him. So I sat down and one of the guys, he's about 55 years old, right? He started to kind of like bring me food. And I felt so uncomfortable because I'm like, wait a second, this guy is way older than me. I should be serving him, but he's serving me. I'm, I'm a kid, you know? And then he was so nice and he was just so, you know, gracious. And I realized, well, this is what he loves doing in ministry. And I looked at him, I'm like, this guy deserves honor. You know, like he is willing to serve me. At that time, I was about 23, 24, I think. And I think a lot of times because we're so focused on the celebrity pastors that we don't notice the people who serve among us, people that you know, literally lay their life down for Christ daily, you know? So I think this is, I mean, this is just the beginning of what's what's wrong with the celebrity-like culture, you know? But anyways, I don't want to go into a whole bunch of, because I mean, there's so much you can say about that, <laughs> of you know? Of course, of course. Uh, but no, yeah, it's, it's not designed, you know, the church for a celebrity to lead it. And we've seen, like, in the case yeah. with Ravi, in the case with these other guys, um, but what I do think the environment of a church should be, it should be an environment of affirmation where mm. whether it's you're, you're giving a gift card to a person who does sound or serves in one of the behind the scenes ministries, or maybe yeah. you're complimenting them after they did something well. When we have this environment of affirmation, uh, it avoids like two things. I was actually yeah. uh, reading through this discipleship book that we're doing a series on right now, but mm-hmm. um, it avoids basically people affirming themselves or people becoming uh, mm-hmm. self-conscious and lowering yeah. their self-esteem. And, and it, it affects their spiritual life in two different ways. So depending on what kind of person you are. So I think having that humble, you know, humility has to be a big fa- big factor in these churches. And like you said, um, when Jesus was telling the disciples that the greatest thing you can do is you can serve. And that's, yeah. that's the number yeah. one priority as a leader is for you to serve, to you, you know, to wash the feet, to to do all these things. But uh, yeah, so I mean, like I yeah. said, a lot of us, a lot of the listeners right now, maybe they don't attend one of these prosperity-themed mm-hmm. churches, but they do follow a lot of these oh, figures. Oh, it's coming. It, oh, it will come, it, yeah. It's coming, you know. Uh, I literally had one moment where I had to unfollow everyone you know, on social media, I'm talking about like big celebrity pastors. Cause I'm oh, like yeah. secretly, like I, I'll probably not admit it, but secretly I wanted to be like them. Like subconsciously, mm-hmm. I think I was being influenced by that. So I literally had to unfollow everyone. Cause I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. I need to, to be biblical about things. Not, Oh, that gathers a, a crowd or that, you know, gets you heard. Um, so I, I really had to do some self introspection about this man, and and you know it's been it's been a crazy um, crazy realization that sometimes subconsciously you're falling into it. So yeah, okay, move and on to the next prosperity. one. Yeah, the next one. <laughs> I got a couple. Got yeah, four so more. Th- yeah, we'll try to go faster on these ones. I think the prosperity one is very like it's uh, rich it's and deep. That, yeah. Yeah. Um, the next one is I think we're just starting this to see this a lot more. And that is the liberal social gospel church, right? Oh yeah. It's the woke church. It's mm-hmm. the church that, you know, and I have to be really careful because this summer I actually wrote a small post completely unrelated to race. It was just a post saying that, 
YouTube is being too woke or something like that regarding a video that I saw that got taken down because he was uh, was talking about the Christians who were getting martyred. So I posted on Facebook a post using the word woke and I literally got some 200 comments and people calling me racist and I have no idea how they even got to that conclusion. People in our church that left our church, you know, accused me of racism because I used that word woke, you know, and, you know, I, in that moment, I realized how, how a lot of people in the church start to buy into this. And, and this is the church of like, they, they prioritize this idea that God is loving. And because God is loving, let's not talk about God's justice. Let's not talk about God's holiness. Let's not talk about God's righteousness. Well, let's not talk about sin or repentance. Everything's about, hey, just make sure that the, the person you're talking to is comfortable, right? So we see a lot of the pastors that are falling into this trap where they want to be socially uh, relevant and culturally relevant and they want to get the approval of the mob. And the problem with that is, if you look at Jesus's life, the mob welcomed Jesus in Jerusalem, and then within a week, start crying, him. crucify him and yeah. kill him, right? So the moment we start playing to the mob versus actually thinking, okay, what is the Christ-like way? What is the biblical way? That is very, very dangerous. So I see this happening a lot of times, especially right now with, a lot of the again the celebrity pastor right like where they want to be so relevant they're willing to compromise on on what Christ has said and and it's so unfortunate because I think the the enemy is using this to shame the church and to compliance when we understand that that is not what Christ you know has called us to do Christ Christ preached the a message that caused a lot of people to leave him. Mm -hmm. And he looks at Peter and says, uh, are you going to leave? Leave. And Peter says, well, who are we supposed to go to? You have the keys to eternal life. Right. So, so Jesus himself, if, if we were to look at his ministry, some people left him because some of the things he said were offensive. Now, of course, we don't want to be just trying to be offensive like i think truth is offensive in itself we don't have to be extra offensive right like when i see these guys who almost look for a fight by taking megaphones and screaming people's ears like you don't have to be offensive truth in itself is very offensive and it's very exclusive right so that's a danger that i'm starting to see more and more and more uh with with you know a lot of churches adopting um a lot of like you know, uh, woke theology, if you will, um, a lot of theology, I would call it, you know, progressive Christianity that's neither progressive or Christianity, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's, not. it's this idea that like, oh, supposedly we know uh, God is still speaking. Of course, God is still speaking, but he's still saying the same things, right? It's not like God is changing his mind about sin. God has made it very clear what is sin and what is not sin, right? God made it very clear that we ought to die to sin, die to our dreams, die to our flesh, right? Crucify our flesh, I think the biblical ter terminology there is, and and follow him. Like we, we got to take up our, our cross. And when I see some of these pastors that like embrace this woke culture of progressive Christianity, I think this is a, she uh, this is a wolf in sheep's clothing, you know, in the church.
And we've seen a lot of figures. I mean, on this podcast alone, I've already mentioned mm-hmm. Tim- Timothy Keller, who had a post mm-hmm. months ago saying, we need to mm-hmm. make room for political differences in the church. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we accept all people who come, but we don't, yeah. we, in our teaching, we don't make room for that kind of stuff. And yeah. then John Piper, who in his article claimed that, oh, I'm not going to take any sides, but then trashes Trump on all these different things. I'm like, <laughs> then who are they going to vote for if you're going to trash on this guy? And then most Bro, notably, that's exactly my reaction when I read that article. And yeah. I was like, okay, well, I'm all up for not taking sides, right? Because our, our uh, you know, allegiances to Christ. I'm all up for that. But then he goes on and he completely trashes one party and it's like, okay, you can't have it both ways. Yeah. You can't say, you know, and it's like if I look at John Piper and Timothy Keller, these are these are I would say men who I really respect, you know, and I think that's so so difficult. It's like, man, I I love their, you know, what they stood for in life and what they're staying for. But then out of nowhere you start seeing this and you're like, what happened? what happened yeah. you know and it's 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 yeah. so and to complete man. and to complete that trinity of john piper and timothy yeah. keller just this week we had max lucato you know oh. well-known author pastor preacher <laughs> who basically apologizing apologized about all of his anti-lgbtq <laughs> messages yeah. from the past basically saying i mean he did yeah. say in the article like oh to be clear i believe in the biblical traditional marriage but I'm sorry the church was very offensive to this, this and that. But like you said, the truth is offensive in itself. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna put it there, it's gonna be offensive. I mean, Jesus was offensive. We we, it, we have this common misconception, especially within this liberal agenda that you know, Jesus is love and Jesus would love you anyway. Anyway, listen, Jesus' greatest act of love was to come to die for us. But every yeah, yeah. what he did on this earth, he called yeah. the Pharisees brood of vipers, he flipped tables, he 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 said, Follow me. He didn't say conform to the ways of this earth he he was very straightforward and he was very much uh a, a you know a great leader so people are kind of having this misconception or misinterpreting what the bible says about jesus christ but this is what i have a problem with when people say that they do this because they are trying to be loving is it really loving if we don't tell people the truth is it think about this way if we were to uh, be on a flight and you know the crash is is about to happen and you go and you start giving them pillows like i think that's what's happening with a lot of this create um uh, progressive christianity right where they feel like they have to tell everyone that jesus loves you and that's the only message that they give them it's it's a message of comfort rather than you know being in the same scenario and instead of giving out you know pillows you give parachutes we we ought to tell people about god's love but at the same time we also have to tell people about god's justice and that the gospel only works if we actually tell people that it's not that all it is is jesus's love but it's also you know we have sinned and we have to repent and we have to turn away from our sin and i think this is the part of the message that the progressive christianity has completely just kind of ignored and i don't think that that is loving i think that's actually you know hateful if you if you ask me if you don't tell people you know the truth how are you helping them out if you know that your kid playing in traffic is a bad idea and you allow them and you don't tell them about the danger about that is that loving no it's not 
you know? So I, I think this is a part of the message that a lot of the progressive Christianity chooses to to kind of ignore. And I think that is to the detriment of the people that supposedly we claim to love, you know? Yeah, and I, I think in, in your episode with Chip, you used the analogy with mm-hmm. um, the fire, you know, the people burning in a house. And, uh, right, even, right. and even if you pull them out of the house, you can't like listen to them complain about you pulling them out of the house. I mean, the house is on fire. You got to pull them out to save their <laughs> yeah. lives. So it's, it's, it's really important that we, we take heed to the, to the truth that the Bible gives us, because if not, if we're just going to, uh, I don't know, conform to whatever society wants to do, or, I mean, that's the whole, that's, that's what progressive progressivism is. It's, it's morality is not set in stone and it just moves with the times, whatever, and then especially right now with, with uh, like we were talking about, like influencers and mobs and whatever they feel like they want to do, they'll do. The media yeah. the media controls everything, and that and that's the issue. So, uh, I mean, it's, I mean, I see it, and hopefully, if you're listening out there, if you fall, your, if you catch yourself falling into this trap, uh, hopefully this you're encouraged to kind of take a step back and really compare everything to the living truth that is in the Word of God. But here's... From a practical standpoint, I think this is where, you know, we ha- have to be motivated by our, you know, sincere faith towards Christ. Uh, because I think a lot of times what's happening is these pastors that embrace this, uh, there's so much of their lives that are wrapped up in the church, for example. So they get their paycheck from the church, they get their, you know, purpose in life from the church and or from the ministry they do, right? So. You know, they have so much writing on the line that the moment someone threatens, right, their their church, meaning that like, hey, if you don't if you don't go the way um, we tell you, if the mo- if you don't listen to the mob, then you're gonna lose your paycheck, you're gonna lose your influence, mm-hmm. you're gonna lose. And my question to that is, okay, all right, how's that n- new? I mean, first Christians not only they lost their supposed influence and their jobs, but they lost their lives, you know, for the cause of the gospel. Yep. Right. So, so when I look at some, some of the pastors now, and, and you know, I'm the whole point is not to criticize the pastors. I think the whole point is to say, Hey, we need to have a foundation that is solid. And the only foundation that is solid is, you know, Christ in what he's doing in our generation. It's not our influence. It's not, you know, People might think you're cool one day and next day they'll literally go on to the next person. And, you know, they might think you're the greatest person one day until you you mess up, until you say something they don't like. So my hope is that we have a whole bunch of young pastors and pastors that stand their ground and say, no, we're not, we're, we're not playing these games. I'm sorry if you think that, if you think that we are you know, intolerant, uh, you know, tolerance goes both ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you think that we're, we're uh, bigoted, whatever you want to call us, I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please Christ. And that's what I hope that people get out of this conversation, that they, we would stand firm, you know, on what God has called us to do, not on what the mob wants us to do, you know? Absolutely. And uh, these first two, I, I think, when we're looking from our from our perspective as traditional mm-hmm. Eastern European Christians, um, it's a little easier to spot out. But I think these next yeah. three, which are kind of sort of yeah. tied together, are kind of 
where we find the differences amongst us and especially yeah, especially yeah. with uh the the third type uh just because there is a kind of divide and on, on the outlook yeah. of of what that is so um why don't we go ahead and start talking about that third type of church yeah so i think that the third and the fifth uh, they're kind of like a coin and they're the you know one side and the other side right mm-hmm. so uh, the third type is the hyper charismatic church the church that will be very passionate about pretty much everything right and passion is good except if it's misinformed if you have you know a passion with no uh you know scripture if you have passion with no truth then that passion can be deadly right so the hyper charismatic church is a church that has forgotten it start a lot of these movements have started in a as a good thing you know there was a certain level of outpouring or a revival and you know now we started to look as you know we, we looked at godliness and not necessarily hey how how scriptural i am or is there fruit you know in my life that comes from you know my walk with christ but now we started to look at godliness as being equivalent to uh, with who can you know shout the loudest well who can pray the loudest you know and i think those things even though passion i think it's a good thing if it's if it's scriptural if it's passion that is for christ you know and i you know grew up as a pentecostal i grew up in you know this whole environment but i've seen also the abuse of of the kind of like the hyper charismatic church where you know they will pretty much anytime they say anything they'll tell you oh god told me god told oh, me yeah. and a lot of times i have to question <laughs> a lot of times i have to question you know i heard this this story of some guy going up to a girl and saying god told me that you're going to be my wife and she's like mm, that's funny cuz Apparently, God didn't tell that to my husband. She was already married. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you see a lot of this stuff where, you know, I'm like, you, if you're going to say God told me, and this is from the Lord, you better be sure. You, you better be sure that what you're saying, you know, is is true, that is scriptural. You know, God's not going to contradict itself, uh, himself, rather. And what I see a lot of times is, you know, people passionately start out you know following after the lord but then they go with their heart instead of hey we have to use discernment and we have to see okay is this biblical is this the right direction right on the other side of this coin you have the lukewarm church right that the church that sort of i think it's in revelation 3 14 that talks about that neither hot nor cold right like they're just sort of you know they got so settled in their tradition and the way of doing things that it became just a um kind of a, a a legalistic way of coming to church singing listening thinking those thoughts are great but never affecting life change never you know reaching out to your neighbor never uh actually trying to walk you know out what christ has called us you know i think one of the the greatest, if I can call it crimes for the Russian church, I think, and Moldovian church, I think, too, is this, that we celebrate 25 years of immigration and most of our churches barely have any American people in. And, and, and I'm like, okay, did Jesus tell us to go preach the gospel at the ends of the earth where he hasn't? 
Because if we're celebrating 25, 30 years of immigration to the United States, but most of our churches are very, very, you know, either Slavic or Moldovian or Romanian, you know, I'm wondering, are we reaching out to our neighbors? Are, are we preaching the gospel? You know, so the one extreme would be being passionate, but being misinformed and not due diligence when it comes to studying the word and, and you know, constantly exercising wisdom when it comes to prophecy, when it comes to vision and revelation. On the other hand is to sort of be passive and have a lot of the women lead the church because the husbands are out watching games and literally are not engaging. Um, I heard I heard this joke of a professor saying, what's the greatest threat to our generation? Is it apathy or ignorance? And one of the kids stood up and said, I don't know and I don't care. <laughs> so <laughs> apparently he was apathetic and ignorant at the same time. <laughs> and I think that is that kind of uh, it's a characteristic of lukewarm church is that we don't know and we don't care, you know, that we don't care what, what Christ is doing amongst us and we don't know what's happening, you know. And, you know, uh, what was the other one that, you know, three types of people, people that make things happen, things that watch things happen, and people that, you know, wonder what happened, you yeah. know. <laughs> is that a is that an Adrian Rogers quote? I don't know. I don't know where I got that quote I, from, I heard him speak that, I, yeah, but it's, it might be him. It might have been. Yeah. But no, I like, I like what you mentioned because when we think of... You know, the hyper charismatic, we immediately turn our, you know, our attention to the hyper charismatic churches that we know of and how they, I mean, they grossly take things out of context and whatever that they do with supernatural, this and that. But, but like what you mentioned here, which is more, um, you know, I'm sure you, obviously you saw it growing up in in the Moldovia and Russian church, but it happens in the Romanian church too, where someone will go up there and start yelling and say, God told me this, God told me that. And, uh, you know, I, obviously, I grew up as a Pentecostal. Even my dad too. My dad, yeah, my dad yeah. has told me many times that, like he he doesn't lo- he can't stand it when people say God told me this, and because it's like, yeah, like yeah. what is that? Because basically, if I say God told me this, then that anyone can say that, and they can say anything that God told them. But what's important? Well, how do you argue? Yeah, you can't argue. It, yeah. How do you argue with that? It's it's a trump card, right? Like it's exactly. Hey, you know, God told me you can't do anything about that. And my question then becomes. Are you so sure of that? I mean, should we make that scripture? I mean, how sure are you about that, you know? Now, of course, I think God is speaking. God is still active, in, but be really careful when you attribute, you know, words to God. Now, when I look at the hyper-charismatic church, the word charismatic is not a bad word. The Holy Spirit is charismatic, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because we've seen people like, oh, I'm not a charismatic church, you know? Uh, no, being charismatic is to be passionate, on fire, you know? And it, 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 it's not such a, you know, uh, bad thing is just when this goes off the rails and the, the kind of like the object of our worship is no longer Jesus, but it's, you know, seeking for signs and miracles. And I think Jesus had some very harsh words about a generation that all they want is signs and miracles, but they don't want to examine themselves and their relationship with God, you know? So... So I think that is kind of the problem that I see with a lot of very hyper-charismatic church. Now, of course, we don't want to, you know, we have this expression in Moldova. I'm not sure if you maybe heard in Romania, but like, 
you don't throw the baby with the bathwater, you know, because we wash the babies <laughs> in, in a in one of those like small, yeah, um, you know, it, it, I don't know what you call them. Um, and after the water would get bad, you would just throw it out, but you wouldn't throw the baby with the bathwater, yeah. right? So you keep what's, <laughs> well, you keep the baby, you you throw out the water that's 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 dirty. So when it comes to you know gifting the church and and prophecy, well we have to look at that and examine it and, and you know, use the sermon and throw out what's bad and keep what's good. You know, I'm not saying we should, oh, not have visions or prophecy in the church or any of that. We need those things, but we have to be very careful, you know, and, and we should exercise wisdom and discernment when it comes to these things. Throw away what's bad and keep away, uh, keep it what's good. Yeah, and... Um... Regarding what you said about the oh well, first of all about the Holy Spirit and these giftings and people yeah. seeking that out, uh, what they have to remember is that the Bible says that the Holy Spirit always points back to Christ. So that's that. Yeah. I mean, if if, yep. if you're seeking out gifts without Christ, it's it's all. First of all, they're not those gifts, and it's all in vanity. Uh, mm-hmm. But what I was going to say about the the lukewarm point that you made, uh, where we see this especially with a lot a lot of men, and and this is not just in. Uh, the, the global church or the American church, but we see it within our Eastern European churches as well, where the woman side, or you know, if 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 the sides aren't aren't integrated by now, but the women are are attending a church much more than the men are, and it's yeah, due yeah. to this lukewarm kind of thing. And it, it's interesting because I just I recently um, read or actually listened to the audiobook, but uh, this book called Why Men Hate Going to Church. And it was a really mm. interesting book. I'm actually thinking of doing a book review episode about it sometime in the future. But um, he yeah. ta- the guy uh, talks about this, how how the church, especially in this lukewarm environment, is is designed for, for women in a sense where it, it's all feminized. It's all the, mm-hmm. it's the only male is the pastor and all the ministries that they create is like very feminine and this and that and men are in challenge and you have programs as opposed to projects and 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 it was it was mm. kind of interesting um I, I wouldn't say i align every i align all my beliefs to it but he didn't make a point where that's very prevalent in the lukewarm church because um you don't have these strong male figures that i mean god calls men to be the spiritual leader of the household to to lead his family to pray for his family to just to be there um as the leader and if they're not there there's that void, there's that absence, that that emptiness that, that cannot be filled with anything else that they're trying to substitute it with. So I think that uh, flourishes in a lukewarm church because you're yeah. missing that, that big component. Yeah, and the thing is, is, when it comes to men in general, like if they're not leading the church, I mean, how um, I'm not convinced that they're leading at home. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so if they take a passive you know, stands when it comes to the things of God, I I would venture to say um, that they'll probably take a passive approach to leading their family, you know? And, you know, we have so many of our friends that we grew up with that uh, one of my friends says, Slavik, I told my dad I, I love him. He did not know how to respond <laughs> because they didn't know how to show affection or how to, you know, truly like say, son, daughter, follow me as I follow after Christ, you know? So I think... You know, again, if we can get the men to be passionate about the things of God, they will be passionate in leading their families, you know, in at home and so on. So, yeah, I think that is that is a problem that I see a lot. And um, I hope that we see a new generation of young people that stand up and say, hey, I'm now the bucket stops with me. I'm not going to make excuses. 
I'm gonna like make sure that as for me and my home, you know, we will follow the Lord, you know. So um, uh, let's move on to last last kind of like um, uh, problem that I see in the church, and then we can go on the f- pillars of 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 the church. And um, the last one that I wanted to mention is the intellectual church, because when you are either in the hyper charismatic church or in the lukewarm church, a lot of times we want to run the opposite direction and you become like the you know the the new reformed guy in your circles and yep, we all have you're one all of those about <laughs> you're all about and you know how how people who do crossfit all they talk about is crossfit oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> same thing here you know the moment people start to like study upon the the kind of the old um you know documents of of reformation and the old saints and you see kind of like a movement towards now of course those things are not bad in itself but i remember that we ought to worship the lord our god with all of our heart with all our mind with everything in us and if the hyper charismatic church uh you know is the emphasis is to worship the lord your god by your feelings and your heart this kind of church the intellectual church wants to worship god in the mind but not with the heart mm-hmm. Right, so so you you will hear people that have very lofty ideas, but but they there's no heart in it, there's no passion in it, there's no life change. I mean, I've seen this a lot in going to university, where you see a professor that knows so much about the Bible and about the Reformation and about all the documents of of you know history in the church, but you don't really see them, you know talking with a passion and with a love in their heart about Jesus or about who Jesus is you know and I think that that itself is 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 a problem because you know knowledge puffs up you know if the moment the more you know especially if you know that you're the smartest guy in the room right mm-hmm. if you think you're the smartest guy in the room there's a certain level of pride that goes along with that and that leads us to sin that leads us into a place of you know not dying to yourself but really kind of constantly seeking ways to kind of prop yourself up with your intellectual mind so i see that a lot where a lot of people have gone very in you know high theology high you know logical you know um uh, you know they'll make a lot of points very theological and very like logical but they will not pray for healing. They will not, you know, uh, they, they, a lot of them will not even believe in prophecy, you know, or or vision or any of those things. And I think, you know, say what you want, but I think one of the greatest, you know, uh, miracles in my life, it, it was when God has changed my heart. So obviously God is still doing miracles today. Yeah. You know, I've seen people who are healed. Go tell the people in Africa where in China, the God is not doing miracles. You know, these people don't know, you know, and of course, like, I'm not saying that everybody, but I'm talking about the underground church in, in China, for example, right? They might have one or two pieces of the Bible. They don't have all the seminary education that we have and all of that, but they have a passion and unquenchable fire for the Lord, and the Lord is moving amongst them, right? So when I look at, movements like that you know and i would say that the intellectual church needs to to make sure that that 
that theology doesn't just stay in the mind, but also makes its way to the heart. Absolutely. And how we treat and how we love people and so on. Yeah. And another thing that you people may be lacking if they're, if they kind of fall too deep into this, but maybe uh, lacking a prayer life, uh, yeah. lacking faith. Because yeah. for miracles to happen, for, for you have to pray about it. You have to have faith. God works through faith. And if you don't have that, if it's all just a textbook to you, um, that that might be lacking as well. And uh, I heard a, a story that one of our one of our preachers at our church was saying that mm-hmm. you know he's a, he's a medical doctor, and um, he yeah. was speaking to a colleague, and he was telling him the gospel. And at the end of the day, uh, this guy tells uh, this guy, he's like, "Listen, like everything you said, like made sense. You know, in my head, he was pointing to his head." And then, but it does. And then he said, "But it doesn't make sense in my heart. Like there was no connection mm. from the head to the heart. Like it was very theological. It was very. It was presented very well, but the heart was hardened to the point where we had that case. So I think it's really important because people can fall into that trap, and uh, we see we see a lot of this happen. I mean, that's how um, the universities a hundred years ago uh, started mm. kind of veering off." where they started adding their own things and and uh it was all about theology and, and not about the actual church about the relationship with Christ so um I, I think that's something that we really have to be uh careful for yeah so i bro i couldn't agree with you more on that um i mean i've done the same thing where i've i thought that after kind of like trying to stay away from the you know don't don't allow your passions to overtake you I had a season of my life that everything was about, you know, being, make sure that everything's logical. But we understand that a lot of times God is asking us to do things that your mind might not agree with at that moment, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think this is where, you know, we have to take things by faith. And if you constantly rely only what your mind tells you, there's not a lot of room for faith. So those are some of the, the the things that I see in the church that I I would warn younger people to really, you know, be careful of. But I want to take some time right now and talk about, okay, what a healthy church and what are some of the pillars for every single church? You know, what should be part of every single church to make sure that this church is, you know, godly and is uh, a whole bunch of people there, not just an assembly, but they're walking with the Lord. So I want to go through, I'll just briefly mention them and then I'll go point by point. But um, I think in my own ministry and in my studies, here are some of the, the, the pillars that every church needs to have. And that is, we need to have a prayer life. You know, uh, with our church where we started is, we would do an hour of prayer before every single service. And that has drastically changed even our vision for the church and how we approach ministering to people, right? So prayer. And then, um, so let me go through them really quick and then I'll go through each point by point. The second one is praise and worship. You know, that needs to be part of, you know, um, of, of constantly when we gather together, we are told to, you know, uh, sing songs and encourage one another. And praise and worship has two purposes. Two purposes. One is to exalt God and to glorify and praise God, but also at the same time to encourage the believer. So that is, you know, the, the, the point of why we sing in the church. And unfortunately, what I see a lot of times is we've done this where we've 
put a band on stage and the whole congregation is silent. And then that needs to change is we need to have everyone join together and pray and praise and worship. You know, um, the third thing is preaching and teaching the word of God. Uh, there has been so much abuse when it comes to this of people getting up there and turning the pulpit into a time of settling scores yep. or being political or, you know, talking about how God's going to give you the Mercedes and the, and the car. But what we know is what changes a person's life is not our stories, but is the word of God, mm-hmm. right? The fourth one is um, making sure that everything is led by the Holy Spirit, that, you know, uh, we are told that we will be a witness to what what Christ is is doing, and the Holy Spirit would, will teach us all things. The Holy Spirit is the one who is gonna, you know, not come and, oh, Slavic is gonna teach all people all things. No, it's it's the Holy Spirit that teaches us, that, you know, convicts us, that comforts us, right? And the last one is, last pillar of the church is, is fellowship. Uh, fellowship is is the, you know, a lot of times in, in the church, we think that if we're not doing something on stage, um, <laughs> that means we're not ministering that day. But really, <laughs> ministry happens everywhere in the, you know, line to get your coffee, you know, in you know, on stage, off stage, at home, right? Like we are told to come together and have fellowship in small groups and and in crowds, at work, everywhere, you know? And I think a lot of this is not very emphasized, especially when it comes to, at least in my experience in the church that I grew up in, is we had church for two certain two hours and then the fellowship was sort of an add-on to it. But I think fellowship needs to be part of that. You know, to, to ask one another, God, what is God doing in your life? What is God doing in your life? You know, and in encouraging one another. So those are the five things that I think they, they should be part of every single church. What specifically kind of stands out to you that you want to go more in depth of? Well, when you were mentioning these five things, my first thought mm-hmm. went to Acts 2.42, where mm-hmm. it's talking about how, you know, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, the apostles' teachings, yep, um, all of that. Yep. but. Uh, it, it's it's funny that you mentioned because, I mean, there's a lot of things that we can focus on because there's a lot of things that are lacking in the, mm-hmm. in the modern church today. Uh, what you mentioned about the preaching, they're they're not doing expository sermons anymore. They're they're talking. Mm-hmm. They're basically mm-hmm. using scripture to match and kind of boost up and reinforce their ideology or whatever they want to preach or whatever's relevant in society. Um, I was going through mm-hmm. some social media accounts of these popular. Uh, figures these pastors uh these influencers yeah and last summer all they were talking about is racism racism this racism that mm. all this white supremacy uh systemic racism these these terms that we we've never heard before uh, a year ago so they're they're taking they're following the sign of the times and they're basically taking scripture out of context to kind of reinforce that where it's 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 not these ideologies that are going to change someone's heart it's the gospel of jesus christ that's going to change someone's heart so that's one thing that kind of stood out to me uh, but also like the prayer life. I mean, even in the Romanian church, our, our we we reduce our our, um, you know, our Sunday mornings to two hours due to COVID, and we kind of don't have that hour mm-hmm. of prayer anymore. But there's still weekly prayer. But in the, if you look at the modern church, I mean, we we're a little more traditional. But if you look at the modern church, they don't have they don't have communal yeah. prayers. How are people supposed to know how to pray? I mean, even the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, and and Jesus gave them the Lord's prayer, but 
if these people don't have prayer at church, how are they going to learn? How are they going to pray at home? How are they going to remember to do so? It has to be built upon in our life. So those are like the two things that kind of stood out with me. I, I mean, fellowship, I, I think our community is pretty, pretty good at that, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, I think yeah. we're too good at yeah. that, uh, where we kind of... Um, <laughs> We kind of lack some of the other stuff, but we're, we're pretty good at that. But I think yeah. those two things, very important. Uh, that yeah, kind of stand and out. honestly, I've been guilty of um, approaching the pulpit with a message in mind and then searching for scriptures to support my ideas. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I know that's a big statement to make. And I had to be, you know, convicted. My, my life have to, had to be convicted Um and now I primarily preach expository sermons. And the reason for that, it's not because I think the topical sermons can be always bad. I think there's there's a place for topical sermons. You of know, course, if you yeah. go into a funeral if you go into a funeral, for example, uh, preaching a topical sermon, you know, might be a good thing because you know, you're you're talking about, you know, trying to encourage the body while someone passed away, right? But primarily what I see happening is an abuse because what we see is somebody will have an idea. They 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 watch the news on you know uh, I don't know the Times, New York Times, or and they come up with I should preach on racism or I should preach on this, and then they'll use verses out of context. You know they'll go and just look at that. You know they'll type in their word and they'll do a search and pull all the verses out of context. And if you do that, you can pretty much make the Bible say whatever you want it to say, mm-hmm. right? Instead of saying, hey, I'm going to take half a chapter or a chapter or a certain amount of verses, and I will preach, and whatever God's agenda is, that is what I'm going to preach. Um, and I think on one hand, it's a really difficult thing to do because, you know, if you've been preaching for a while, you know that when you do to- topical and you have a lot of stories it's pretty easy because you like you can go on your stories and so on. But I remember this one particular time where this kid came up to me. Uh, at that time, I was on the North Campus, and he's like, "Bro, Slavik, I really like your stories, but man, I, I really hope, um, I really want to hear more about Jesus." You know? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been seven years, and I've never forgotten that. And I was so convicted, you know, because I'm like his his right on on the money here like he need i need to preach about jesus not about my stories you know and when i see a lot of the famous preachers you know they'll say a lot of like um play on words like they'll say very clever things but then you go home you're thinking what does that even mean though right like you know, take, for example, the cliche, like your attitude, you know, determines your altitude, you know, I kind of understand what they're trying to say, like you have to have a right attitude. But, you know, that's something that you've came up with. I mean, that wasn't something that you derive out of, you know, and of course, if somebody can show me where they got that from the scripture, I'll stand corrected, you know. But my whole point is, is that is let the narrative of the scripture to determine your messages. You know, let scripture dictate what you're preaching next, not what you'd like for it to say, right? And I, I think it's 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 very difficult to do, but when you do it, when somebody comes after your sermon and says, hey, I disagree with 
you on that point? Well, I can just look at them and say, well, honestly, I got that point from scripture, so that's on you, <laughs> right? I don't yeah. have to defend that. I don't, I don't have to, because that's not my idea. I drawn, I, I took the idea out of the text, especially if you did a good job on exposition, and you know that's the biblical historical view when it comes to that verse, and you've done your due diligence, and you you studied. If somebody disagree with you, disagrees with you, you're like, you know what? I don't have to defend that. That's on you. You know, if you disagree with that, that's on you, you know? Um, so I noticed that it's more difficult to preach, but once you do preach it, it's so much easier after because you don't have to defend because those things are not your ideas. It, you you drew that those ideas from Scripture. Now, of course, it's difficult because when you come to a passage like, uh, you know, I think it was a few months ago, I was preaching a passage and it came to circumcision and it was over and over and I was like, oh Lord, like I need to... I have to go through this and I have, but that's also the, the awesome thing about this is you don't get to skip things. You have to talk about every single thing, even if it makes you feel uncomfortable, you know, because if, if it's in, in scripture, there's a, there's a reason why it's there. You know, you don't get to, to go around and say, oh, I'm only going to focus on the blessings of God and never talk about repentance or never talk about how you should take your cross and and crucify your flesh on it you know like you, you don't get to do that you have to go through the whole thing and preach the whole counsel of of god and i think if you do that in, in combination with making sure that you know how len ravenhill says that if you didn't pray before you got into the pulpit you already lost the battle mm-hmm. right like yeah. <laughs> you win your, your your battle in private you know in prayer if you if you haven't prayed about your sermon you got up there then you know um you've already kind of lost right and of course god is still going to do his work through if you preach scripture but we need to incorporate that with prayer with being led by the holy spirit you know with making sure that your life is in order and your life is lived in praise and glory to jesus christ not in your own kind of like praise and glory and I think all of those things are, are so important. And when I see in the church, so many people are reading all these books, right? By all these author, uh, authors. And then these author, authors, they change their mind every like 10 years or so, right? Mm-hmm. And you're just, I remember specifically like Joshua Harris, where he wrote that book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Yeah. And man, I I literally took it like gospel, you know? Mm-hmm. And then some 10, 15 years later, he's basically saying, hey, I didn't really mean what I said in that book. Now, of course, truth is truth. And it doesn't matter who speaks it. But <laughs> at that point, I'm like, man, I wish I just stuck with reading scripture. Why did I even pay money on the book that now the very guy who wrote it disowns it, you know? So to me, it's like, no, of course... You know, there's a, there's there's a place for books. I mean, it's like the supplements, you know. But if you're not eating healthy food, the supplements is not gonna you know help much. Same thing here. If you're not spending your time in scripture, reading a whole bunch of books is not gonna help much. If you're not getting your healthy food from scripture, you know. Yeah, and I think, and this is regardless. And this is kind of like all the all the things put into one. But hmm. whether it's teaching, whether it's prayer, whether it's how we conduct our services, what kind of attitude we have, what we preach. Um, I mean, I, I, Dale Partridge always says that mm-hmm. what you win people with 
is what you win people it's to. How you keep them? Yeah, it's what yeah. you win people and how to. How you keep them? Yeah. So if you take out all those other things, if 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 it's not a if they're not living a prosperous life, guess who they're going to blame? They're going to blame the church, or if. If something goes, if something they they disagree with something with a liberal agenda, who are they going to blame? The church, and so on and so forth. So if if we preach the word of God, if we preach the gospel, that's what we're going to win people to. What we win them with is what we win people to, and then their foundation is on truth. Their foundation is on solid rock, and it's not on sand, and it's not dependent like many of these progressive Christians. It's not dependent on the morality of the season or whatever society yeah. deems it to be. So I think that's that's like the most important thing to keep in mind when you're when you're in the church, when you're leading a church, when you're attending a church, make make sure and be mindful of what they are winning people with. Is it the music? Is it the flashiness? Is it anything that's regarding sowing to the flesh as opposed to sowing to the spirit? Because we will reap those uh, eventually and they will see in due time uh, when we do face more tribulation, when when we do face more uh, turbulence uh, within our uh, culture so um slavic yeah. as we're as we're wrapping things up and uh typically yeah. at the end i kind of ask like a, a little more general just the last piece of advice little short thing mm-hmm. uh, but if there's someone out there like a, a listener a young person who let's say they either attend a church or they're following a church they're following a certain right. pastor via social media through their online services or whatever and they're not exactly sure if this is a biblical church how, uh, how what, what advice would you give them to kind of open their eyes and make sure that um, if, if they do realize that it's not a biblical church, that they have to turn from that? So what's that last piece of advice that you would give this young person? Yeah, so I think when it comes to our idea of, of what church is, church is not an organization. It's an organism. It's alive. It's something that uh, should constantly, you know, change, but not change in the fact that, like, you know, um, God's truth, it changes in how we do church. For example, we don't do church the way, you know, we've done church 500 years ago, right? So it's constantly changing, you know, it's constantly, you know, there's new people with new ideas. But I would look at myself and say, I'm very, you know, um, okay with trying different approaches. I'm not okay with changing the truth and theology behind those approaches, right? So, so you know, I don't mind going in, you know, ministering in a homeless shelter or, you know, uh, going and preaching at someone's house versus in a certain building because the church is an ecclesia. It's a congregation. It's a assembly of believers. And in Hebrews, we are told that we are not to forsake this assembly of believers. So I don't think that someone can just attend church online and just by listening to uh, a pastor. For example, a lot of people say, well, Slavik, you know, this guy is my pastor. I listen to him on podcasts. And my question is usually, when was the last time you had lunch with them? When was the last time they rebuked you? (laughs) When was the last time they confronted you about something? Right? When was the last time you met with them? Because I think those things are very, very important. Because the problem with listening only online is you can just turn it off when you don't like something. But when you're part of a local church, part of someone that truly knows how you're living, they will confront you, they will rebuke you, and they also will pray for you, they will love you. And that's 
how God intended the church to be, a place of where, yeah, it sometimes can be a bit chaotic, but it's also a place where we learn how to love and to care for one another. It's a place of us finding, you know, community, but most importantly, where all together we come and worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus. So here are practical things that I would give a younger person is make sure that you're constantly, daily, you are in Scripture. Be it listening to audio Bible, reading the Bible, listening to sermons, making sure that you're constantly, when I say listening to sermons, I'm talking about biblical sermons. You're constantly in Scripture. The second thing is make sure that you have a prayer life personally and, you know, with an assembly, be your church, your small group. That's the, the second step that you you can take. The third step is make sure that you have you are under authority and you have someone that holds you accountable, someone that you can call in the middle of the night. Now, of course, you know, you might be infatuated with someone's ministry, but you might not be able to access them in the middle of the night. So you make sure that you have someone that you constantly can call if you are going through something or you need someone to pray with and, and so on. And the last thing that I would mention is make sure you find a place to serve in the church. You know, you can't, you know, there's a cliche, but it's, it's also true that you can steer a parked car. If you want to have God steer you in the right direction, get moving, right? Actually start doing something, yep. you know? So by serving in local church, now, of course, it might not be as appealing to serve in the local church when you see so much better churches online. There's always that like comparison, right? when you see these churches with massive budgets and how beautiful things are online versus your church that your live stream is, you know, uh, glitching every two seconds, right? <laughs> or how much it's required of you to serve in the church when you're asked to go in the nursery or to serve in a kid's ministry or as an usher. Uh, but can I tell you that even Jesus himself, like I mentioned before, washed the, the feet of the disciples? He served the disciples. So we ought to serve whatever you, you know, if it's in a ministry, but I would say invest into your local church. I'm passionate about local church, and I think those are the things that you should really, really pay attention to. And and uh, one more thing I want to mention is, how is your walk with, you know, the Holy Spirit? Are you asking the Holy Spirit daily? Lord, what direction should I go in? Before you make a decision, are you asking the Lord in prayer? I mean, of course, this goes for pretty much anything. But, you know, uh, we have this idea that prayer should be three hours long. I would say prayer should be 24 hours a day, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're constantly asking the Lord. You're constantly praying in the car or whatever you have some time, you know, to, to, to pray. And not to put God as number one in your life because if you... Just think of God being the number one. Oh, you can just give God half an hour and then you can live the rest of your day however you want. No, I would venture to say God needs to be the center of everything that you do. You know, the center of your breakfast, the center of your job, the center of your relationships, the center of your serving, everything that you do, God needs to be the center of that. I think that is some of the practical things that I can give to any young minister, young person that is 
is trying to follow Jesus. Yeah, like not putting God number one on a list, but making sure that he's integrated in every single part of your life yep. because you're serving with him. So I think that's a fantastic yeah, and point. I know what yeah. they mean. Yeah, and I know what they mean when they say make God first. I, I know they obviously mean that, hey, make sure that God takes priority. Um, but I think it, it's a bit flawed in the sense that like, you know, you can't just give God half an hour, you know, and give priority during the day, but then you, you forget that you're a Christian for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. No, it needs to be the center of everything that you do. Absolutely. So uh, great points over there, great things to, to take to heart and keep in mind as we go forward. Um, Slavic, thank you so much for being on this episode. Thank you for uh, what you do, for your ministry, for just sharing these thoughts and these concerns um, to the to the young generation out there because it, it is a dangerous world and uh, unfortunately some churches are a part of that. So thank you so much for, yeah. for being on here. I really appreciate that you came on. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me on. Of and course. as one more thing I want to mention is I really encourage any young person that hears this podcast, go open a podcast, go start to, to minister somewhere, preaching or serving. You know, uh, I know that we don't have a lot of role models that do this perfectly, but we have one role model, and his name is Jesus Christ, and, and follow him in everything that you do. And uh, again, thank you so much for our opportunity. Love being on the podcast, Marcus, and looking forward to see what God's going to do amongst us in our churches, in our generation. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, if people want to find you on the internet, I know you have your Instagram account, you have uh, a po- your own podcast on Spotify, which I, I just listened to. Um, how can people find you on those different platforms? So if you use my name on any platform, I'm pretty present on all of them, I think. And my podcast is called Christian and, uh, and Fa- Christian Life and Faith. Um, but if you just search for my name, uh, that's probably the best way to finding uh, anything on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, all of those things. Perfect. And I'll be sure to tag uh, all of those in, in the show notes and in the Instagram posts and all of that. So uh, thanks again. And thank you guys, uh, listeners out there, for continuing to support, continuing to listen. I'm really appreciative of all of you. Um, as we wrap things up, again, our Instagram is at the Potter's House. Um, again, leave a review, tap the stars on the uh, po- Apple Podcast app on your iPhone. It'll really help the exposure of the show. And uh, just stay tuned because we have a lot of exciting updates, uh, more new guests, different topics come uh, going forward. So stay tuned for that. But uh, thanks, guys, for tuning in, and uh, we will see you next time. Bye.